You are listening to the Bellator Christi Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Well, this morning we're going to ask if you will turn your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 28. Uh, we're going to read verses 11 through 31. We're really going to focus in on verses 17 through 31. Uh, we're going to ask everyone who can and is able, if you would, please stand uh, to pay honor to the reading and hearing of God's precious holy word. We're probably just going to kind of summarize to focus in on verses 17. Uh, what we basically find in verses 11 through uh, 16 is where Paul uh, sailed on an Alexandrian ship to Rome. And so uh, the book of Acts is going to end with Paul being in the capital city of the Roman Empire. And uh, he meets some individuals uh, in the... uh, Some brothers, uh, brethren heard about this in verse 15, came to them at the three ends, and Paul uh, thanked God and took courage due to the uh, encouragement he received from the brothers. And let's look at verse 17. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. Now, back in verse 16, we see that Paul is under house arrest. Uh, he, he basically has a rental house. Uh, he has a Roman guard on the outside looking after him, but he basically has a bit of freedom uh, in this regard. He says, after It came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our father." Of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and speak to you, because for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, We neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think, for concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everyone. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets, from morning until evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had, had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will not hear and understand, and you shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people have grown dull, speaking of the leaders of that day. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have been closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jewish leaders departed and had a great dispute among themselves. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, with no one forbidding him. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, it's so good to know that no matter what station we find in our lives, 
we can find contentment. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, Lord. We just ask, Lord, that you help us all to be able to find that contentment that we can only find through the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just want to simply ask that through this message, you allow me to speak the words that need to be spoken and hold back any words that don't need to be spoken. So that in and through it all, Lord, we may have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. We ask all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. George and Rita were a wonderful couple. And uh, George uh, heard his Rita say, he said, Oh, to be six again. Oh, to be six again. And so George decided that for her birthday, he was going to treat her. So that morning, he made her a bowl of Fruit Loops, uh, and he uh, took her to the local amusement park, and where she rode the rides and got herself nearly sick after the rides. Afterwards, he uh, treated her to a happy meal at McDonald's with extra fries and a chocolate milkshake. Next, it was time to go see a movie with popcorn and a drink and those extra little candies that come along with it. And as they all rolled into the house and they pulled up, Rita was exhausted after the day she had, and she plopped on the bed. And and George says, well, honey, how did it feel to be six years old once again? She said, George, you big dummy, I meant my dress size, not my age. Isn't it just like as though we can never find contentment? Uh, Amen. I mean, I know some kids, they can't wait to grow old. And then then some of us say, oh, to be young again. Uh, People like me wish I could be taller, whereas uh, some people wish they could be shorter. You you see these guys, they get into bodybuilding, they're wanting to gain weight. And you hear other people who want to lose weight. We just can't ever seem to be content as human beings, can we? We're too hot in the summer, we're too cold in the winter, we, we uh, complain if it's too dry, we complain if it's too wet. We just can't seem to find contentment, can we? But we find a wonderful truth in the verses of 11 through 31 of Acts chapter 28. And that is that we can find contentment. Because there's another passage of scripture I want to reference. Because as Paul is under house arrest... He does have the freedom to, to, uh, to, to live freely in this rental house, but he can't go anywhere he pleases because there is this Roman guard at the front door. During this time, however, he writes the letter to the Philippians, to the church of Philippi, and he says these words, while under house arrest. He says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be, to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. And what is that secret? Simply put, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do we find contentment in material goods? Do we find contentment in the situations and the circumstances that happen to us in life? Or is it found somewhere else? I submit to you that Paul, while in this Roman jail cell, writes these words to the church of Philippi, saying that my contentment is found in nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. No matter what may come my way, no matter what circumstance I may face, I know how to be content because my contentment does not come by self-love. It does not come from external things. It comes from the love of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
and understanding that He can provide the contentment that we need. So how do we find this contentment in ministry? How do we find this contentment in life? I submit to you that I think we can find in this passage of Scripture four ways that we can find contentment, not only in ministry, but also in life. Number one, find contentment in God's provision or God's providing. In verses 11 through 16, we find that Paul had sailed to Rome. He was a Roman citizen. He sailed to Rome even though he is in this rental house with a Roman guard. He's under house arrest. He realized that God had still provided for him. God had provided for his housing. And God had even provided for his emotional needs. Because as they were, as they were uh, sailing over to Rome, he came across some of his friends who greatly encouraged him. And aren't you so glad for good Christian friends? Amen. Aren't you glad for good Christian friends who bring that encouraging word right when you need to hear it? I believe that is in the plan of God. Amen. I don't think that there's any coincidence in that fact. I think it's in the plan of God that He provides the right person at the right moment, at the right place to give us a word of encouragement right when we need to hear it. So Paul was encouraged emotionally. Paul was encouraged by even the housing situation. It was even better than he could ever imagine. Even though he was under house arrest, he was able to still say that I can still do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that I can find my contentment in Christ and no one else. You see, we all, we all, the, time, all the time we want to find contentment thinking that if we could have something a little bit better, then maybe our life would be happy. I learned that the hard way. When I was working at Unify, I was working in inspection service. And boy, the grass was greener on the other side. Over those operators, those operators, what they were doing, putting up that thread, uh, and man, they would get done, and they were able to stand around and talk. And I thought, man, that's the job for me, get done, and then I can just stand around and talk. You can't be any better than that. Until I tried it. I had string going everywhere. I still bear a, a bruise, a little scar right there where one of those little rollers caught me just right. I come to realize that the grass wasn't always greener on the other side. You see, the situation is, is that we picture and depict things as being better in our minds when we realize that when we get to the other side, the grass isn't always greener. I saw a picture, a painting by an Austrian man who uh, depicted the, uh, this guy who was stuck in rush hour traffic. Maybe in Atlanta or Pittsburgh. I was teasing Steve about uh, talking to my cousin about Pittsburgh and mentioning him. But anyhow, he's stuck in rush hour traffic. And he's in this little, this little car. And, and, and you see this guy, he's dreaming of his dream car. And that little dream balloon, you see the guy in that dream car still stuck in traffic. You see, the realization is that, yeah, you may have a better car, but it's not going to change the problems that we have in life. The, the problems, the, the, the situations we find in life, the only contentment we can find truly in life is in Jesus Christ. Because if you buy a new house, guess what? It's eventually going to fall apart. You buy a new car, guess what? You're going to eventually run the wheels off of it. No matter what you buy, no matter what you do, if it's here on this earth, it'll fail. It'll fall apart. But if your contentment is found in Jesus Christ, that's a contentment that will go with you no matter what. Secondly, we can find the contentment not only in God's providing, but we also can find contentment in worldview defending. And what I mean by this is understanding what we believe. Understanding what the, the, the main principles of what the Bible is all about. I'm not saying that we have to understand everything about the Bible. 
Because I'll be honest with you, I've been studying the Bible for many years, and I think I'm more confused about some parts of it than I was when I first started. Uh, There are some parts of the Bible that are very difficult to understand. But understand this, when we understand the core essentials of Scripture, it has a powerful effect on us. Paul had to trust his worldview in verses 17 through 22 as he was meeting these Jewish leaders. These Jewish leaders had heard about the Christian movement and he wanted to explain to them what Christianity was all about. He wanted to explain to them what it is that Christians truly believe. And he had the boldness to be able to tell the Jewish leaders. He had the boldness to be able to tell individuals who came into his house about Jesus Christ, about his death, burial, and resurrection, and what that means for our eternity. Paul had to trust in the truthfulness of his worldview. A biblical worldview gives us hope that we don't otherwise have. As our wise philosopher Bob Deal said, Amen? I didn't get any reaction on that. I was hoping for a reaction on that. But as our wise philosopher Bob Dill said, for the Christian, it gets better and better and better. It ain't the truth. Times will get tough. It may get tougher, but eventually it's going to get better, and it's going to get even better still. You see, the thing about it is, is whenever I was struggling, a lot of people glorify doubt, but doubt is a horrible thing. Because when you're going through doubt, and you're, you're doubting your own faith, It's a very stressful thing. Those seven years, whenever I went through that time of doubt, it was not an easy time. In fact, it it brought forth depression because I thought to myself, were all the things I was told since I was a child, was it a lie? Were all the, the things I was told about the Bible, does it stand to scrutiny? Did it really happen? Or is this like the Incredible Hulk or, or Thor or one of those guys you see on Marvel Comics? Is it something like that? It was not an easy time. And, I, and, then, and it, even, it did things to my mind because I began thinking, well, if, if there is no God, if Jesus Christ isn't the Savior, then what purpose is there to life? And really, think about that. If there is no God, if Jesus is not the Savior, then what purpose do we really have in life? We're just random molecules in motion who had no meaning. We, were accidentally, we accidentally came here. We live here. We die. What's the purpose in anything? But I remember when I picked up Josh McDowell's book, And I began looking at the evidence, as he says, that demands a verdict, and began realizing, man, there's a lot of evidence for this Christian worldview. When I began to realize, man, there's a lot of evidence to say that Jesus really did rise from the dead and that he really did walk out of that tomb on the third day, I remember my mouth dropped open. And I want to tell you that it was like a dam of doubt burst forth and the floodwaters of faith and hope came upon me, and I had more hope, I had more peace in my life than I could ever imagine when I came to the realization, beloved, that this is true. That this is true, that this, that the heaven it talks about really is real. <laughs> and for Amanda and, and Sophie, I can tell you, upon the promises of this book, Jamie is alive, amen? He's not dead. He is more alive today than he's ever been. I can say about my grandma and grandpa. I've got grandpa's old tie. He's not dead. I can say about all of those whose funerals I've officiated in my five years here, they are not dead. George Stillman is not dead. Amen? He is just as alive today as he's ever been. Why, do I, why can I say that? Because Jesus really did walk out of that grave. 
and the promises that are associated with Him are true. And when we come to that conclusion and we come to that understanding, when we realize the fact that this book is true, it's not a DC comic book, it's not a Marvel comic book, it is a historical reality. When we understand that, man, i got chill bumps already just thinking about it. We have a literal heaven awaiting us. And for Amanda and Dan, as they went under the baptismal waters and they're associating themselves with Christ, they don't have to fear death. Amen? And neither do any of us who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When we realize that, that gives you a joy that Prozac can't match. Zoloft is inefficient whenever you have a biblical worldview and understanding that Jesus Christ is exactly who He said He was. And that can help us do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Thirdly, we can find contentment in biblical teaching. I'm not saying by receiving biblical teaching. I meant that by the worldview defending. But I'm talking about here sharing the message of the gospel. Finding ways to share the message of the gospel. Paul amazes me. No matter where he was, no matter what he was going through, you couldn't shut him up about Jesus Christ. He was going to find a way to tell somebody about Jesus. Whether he was shackled, he would witness to the prison guards. If, uh, if you put him under house arrest, he would witness to the guard in front of the, front of the house. And he witnessed to everybody come across on the street. You, you took him anywhere you took him, you about guarantee he's going to be talking about Jesus no matter where he went. And so he finds ways to share the message of the gospel. I remember... Um, Dennis and the Yakin Baptist Association had a, uh, a, uh, a, a class called Intentional Evangelism. And I can tell you exactly what the class was without even taking it. It's to make evangelism intentional. <laughs> it's basically to look for any and all opportunities that you have to share the gospel. It may be by your life, but just telling people about Jesus. It may be, no matter what it is, find ways to tell people about Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing we have to understand. We can know all the truths of the Bible, and that's well and good. But we, head knowledge is a good thing. But if we don't make it a heart knowledge, it doesn't do us a bit of good. We've got to take it from the head, and we've got to place it in the heart. Because when we realize and we place our faith and trust in who Jesus really is, and we make Him the Savior of our lives, it's going to change the way we think. It's going to change the way we live. It's going to change the way we act. It's going to change the way we operate from day to day. And it's going to change the hope that we have within us. Maybe instead of saying, why me? We should be saying, why not me? Because what opportunity do I have to share the gospel that I would not have otherwise had if I hadn't gone through the experience that I just did? Find a way to minister. That's what Jesus tells us. Go forth, baptizing all people in my name, discipling them, bringing them up in the ways of the Lord. That's what our great commission is all about. And last but certainly not least, Caleb and I was talking about this online just the other day. See, I was going to bring your name in this somehow or another. <laughs> Had to after that good dance you did on there. <laughs> but the last one is find contentment in human responding. I have really the past couple of weeks had an aha moment. It started with our Bible study group in Ezekiel 18. We were going through Ezekiel 18. I even mentioned that uh, this was a very important chapter. And then we had flood warnings going off. It was a devil messing with us, beeping, you know, going on. 
But Ezekiel 18 is a powerful chapter, and we see it also here in the book of uh, uh, Acts in chapter 28. And this truth is simply put as this. You are simply responsible for sharing the gospel, doing your part. You're not responsible for how people respond. Now, if we act like a jerk, that's one thing. <laughs> you know, we're responsible for that. But if you share the gospel in a loving fashion, you're not held responsible for what that other person does with the message you've been given. Ezekiel 18 is a very good chapter. In fact, it tells us some very powerful truths. In verses 10 through 13 of Ezekiel 18, the story is given, a story is told of, of this righteous man this good man who has trusted God, who is living his life for God, he is living in an evil society. And the Bible says that even though he is evil, living in this evil society, he lives righteously, he's placed his faith and trust in God, he's doing the right things. And so the Bible says God says he will not die, he will live. I think not only physically, but spiritually as well. So that guy is not responsible for the society around him, and aren't you glad of that? That you're not responsible for all the evils that take place in society. We're responsible for our own selves. But this righteous man we see in verses uh, 14 through 17 has a son. And this, this man is a good parent. He's done everything he can to bring this son up in the ways of the Lord. But this son rebels and lives unrighteously. How many of you have known some good parents who brought up kids who didn't quite turn out right? <laughs> The Bible says those righteous, that that righteous parent is not responsible for what that son does. Listen to me very carefully. Responsible for what he does as a parent? Absolutely. But if that child rebels and, and decides that he wants to be a, a wild and rambunctious one and causing trouble, that's on the son, not on the father. Okay, so this continues here. He goes on to say, Ezekiel goes on to say, this son has a son. The righteous man has a grandson. And this grandson sees the father and all of his evil ways. This guy, this, the second guy is not a good guy. He's not a good parent. He sees all the wickedness. And so this righteous son, grandson says, I'm not going to be like my dad. I'm going to trust God and I'm going to do what's right. You know what the Bible says? That son is not responsible for what the parent did. Think about that. Some of you may have, been, may have been brought up in rough circumstances. Some of you may have had parents who weren't very good to you and didn't love you the way they should. But guess what? Number one, you don't have to be like them. Amen? Come on, amen? Secondly, you're not held responsible or accountable for what that person did. Amen? You're not held accountable for what that bad parent did. The Bible says in verse 20 that the righteousness of a righteous person will be on him and the wickedness of the wicked person will be on him. Ultimately, we are only accountable for our own selves. You can't, you can't control what another person does. I, you, I, I'm only responsible for me. And aren't you glad you're not responsible for me, Bob? <laughs> And aren't you glad you're not responsible for Francis? <laughs> I knew I was going to get a response on that. 
But this is revolutionary when we think about this because a lot of times we, we hold ourselves responsible for what other people do. And we think, we, we, we think that we're responsible for, for the actions of another person. But when we come to the realization and understanding that we're ultimately going to stand in God's judgment for what we do and not for the actions of another, that gives us contentment. Amen? That gives us hope. It takes a lot of burden off, if you really stop to think about it, that we're ultimately held accountable for what we do. I'm going to close with this. As I, as I am the first to admit, change has not come easy for me. Uh, you know, a lot of times we, uh, I, I think about things, I get anxiety thinking about what the what-ifs and what-coulds, and 90% of the things that we think about don't actually happen. But my son and I went out on the, on the one actual clear night that we had with all the rain that we've had recently. We actually had a couple of nights where there were no clouds in the sky. And we got the telescope out. And uh, we had this phone app where it shows all the constellations and all the planets. And, and we got the telescope and we put it on the planet Saturn. You know that big planet that's got the rings around it. And we put the telescope on that. We put the telescope on Jupiter. We could see the swirls in the planet and the, and the big red spot. And we put it on Saturn. And especially Saturn is just a very beautiful planet because you see the planet and you can clearly see the rings around the planet. And then it hit me. This Saturn, this little blip in the telescope, this planet has a radius of 36,184 miles. This is a big, big planet. It orbits some 891 trillion miles away from the sun. It's, it itself is, I was looking at an object that was 746 million miles away from where we were. And no matter what circumstances we've gone through, that planet's been there a lot longer than we have. <laughs> Amen? It's, it's been there and it's seen several things that have come and gone, but it's still circling around the sun. It's still doing the same thing it's always done. And you know what that tells me? That the God who put it there and set it in motion is even bigger still. And so if we find our contentment in the very one who created the heavens and the earth, the very one who spoke forth creation out of nothing. I mean, think about this. There was no physical creation and then God spoke and bang, it was there. Everything began to exist and He created from, just from His own ingenuity, He created everything that exists. This God is the same God who loves you with an everlasting love and who has given you of His Holy Spirit. And if we can find contentment in that God, then what in the world kind of problem is going to make us be depressed? Amen? What kind of problem is too big for God to handle? And the answer is nothing. So instead of placing our worries and concerns in us. Instead of placing our worries and concerns in the physical world around us, let us take the mind of Paul, who says that in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I know there's some good food down there because I came by there. It was bad for me to do that because, man, now I'm really hungry. I'm smelling that food. But let's just put the food aside for a moment. If I, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
I want to encourage you to come and make that profession of faith. It doesn't matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. The Bible says even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knows your past, He knows your present, He knows your future, He knows everything there is to know about you, and He still loves us with an everlasting love. If you're here today and you've never received Christ, I want to encourage you to come down and receive Him. It's, it's as simple as just telling the Lord that you believe in Him and you trust in Him and that you simply just want to ask His forgiveness of your sins and just ask for the salvation that He grants and, and to anybody who calls upon His name and then believe and trust that God is doing that in your heart and your life. It's simple as that. But if you're here today and you've never made that profession of faith, I want to encourage you to come down and do so today. Or maybe you're here and maybe you're burdened with some type of situation that you're facing in life and maybe you just want to lay that down at the foot of the cross simply saying, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I don't understand all the circumstances. I don't understand all the things that's taking place. But I'm going to find my contentment in you and no one else. Or maybe you'd like to come and join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and your life, we just encourage you to come and do as the Spirit leads. The kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for each and every person that's here today. And Lord, we thank you that in all things we can find contentment because we can do all things through you, our Savior, who provides us strength. Lord, we just ask that you have your will and your way in this time of invitation. If there's someone here today that's never made that profession of faith, we ask, Lord, that you would lead them to salvation. Or maybe there's someone here today that's struggling with some issue that's been causing them a lot of stress and strain. And maybe they're, they're dealing with some depression and maybe they're dealing with some issues that's just, they're, they're agonizing over these issues. And maybe they just need to have that contentment. We just ask for that you give them that contentment. We just ask for that you give them that freedom that comes from the Holy Spirit. They would find the experience The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of BellatorChristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Crucified.